Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Hey, so last week uh, we, we kicked off this series and, and I talked to you guys about David. We're, we're in this series, we're talking about relationships. We're following the life of David and we talked about David and Jonathan. Jonathan, who was to David a forever friend. And we talked about forever friends being people who were willing to meet you where you are. We talked about forever friends being people who are willing to sacrifice for you and people who are going to point you to Jesus. And we concluded saying that Jesus is that perfect friend. This week, we're going to talk about a different relationship that David had. We're going to talk about David and and this moment which people would say might be the, the second most famous sin in all of the Bible. If you want to know what the first is, come to wash on Wednesday night. That's a shameless plug. Come on. But tonight, tonight we're talking about David and his relationship with Bathsheba. And for David, this relationship was not good. It wasn't good. And and it started with him doing something that all of us, all of us so often do, is that he saw somebody not as a person, not as an image bearer, not the way that God sees them, but as an object. You see, what happens is, is, is that we, we don't see people in front of us the way they are because people are created in the image of God. But we see them as an object. We see them as an obstacle in the way of something that maybe we want. And the reason that we see people this way is because of our own brokenness that comes as a result of sin. This condition that separates us from God. This condition that separates our desires from the desires of God. And we see things as we are, as broken. We see people not as, not as people, but as, as broken objects, broken obstacles, broken things in front of us. But what if? What if it didn't have to be that way? What if we, we left here? And this is my prayer for today. What if we left today? Walking out, not seeing people as we do right now, but seeing people the way that Jesus does. So tonight we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And and it's a lot. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the first five verses. I'm going to sum up the next 20. You're welcome. And then I'm going to conclude with the last two. So this is 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5. It says this. It says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle... David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba? the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. 
Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived. And she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David's entered this season. Here's what we're learning. David's entered this season where the kings go out to battle. And it's the season that kings look forward to. I look forward to Christmas. David looks forward to the battle season. So, so there, there's this season where he's supposed to be on the battlefield. He's supposed to be with the soldiers, but he's not. He's not with them. He stays at home, which is crazy because if you were to read chapter 10 of 2 Samuel, you would read how David in this same season just the year before is on the battlefield. He is with his men. When, when the, the men defeat the enemy, they come and report directly to David. But this time around, David decides to stay home while his soldiers, while his brothers, while his people are out fighting. And then it says, it says this, he gets off his couch late one afternoon. So while his people are out fighting and dying, he's being lazy on the couch. He's not just a man after God's own heart, but my own heart, you know what I mean? He's just, he's just on the couch. But it says that he gets up from the couch late one afternoon. He has, he has slept in. He's yawning. He's stretching. He's like, I'm going to go to the roof because I'm the king. I can do what I do. And he goes to the roof and he sees a woman. And the Bible is very clear that it's a beautiful woman, a very beautiful woman. And when the Bible says that a woman was beautiful, she is stunning. And David sees her. I love, I read this in the commentary uh, written by Matthew Henry. He says this, keeping in mind that David has just got off his couch in the late afternoon. He says this, the bed of sloth is often the bed of lust. So here's what the commentator is implying is that there's often a direct line between our laziness and our lust. And in chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, David has very much crossed this line. Because David went up to the roof and he saw this very beautiful woman bathing who, let's be honest, she shouldn't have been on her roof bathing in the first place. Because I'm guessing she knew that there was a direct line of sight from the king's house. But there she was, there he was. And David goes inside. And instead of going to God like he had done his entire life, if you read 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, you read about a man who's chasing after God's own heart who wakes up and he prays. He goes to lunch and he prays. He goes to bed and he prays and he prays like every hour before that. But in this moment of extreme weakness, he doesn't do that. Instead, he calls some of his servants and he says, find out who she is. Find out who this woman is. She's so beautiful. And one of the servants, it goes back and says, uh, he's, he's, she's the daughter of Eliam. And, and traditionally know this, if, if somebody was inquiring about who you were, like if they were coming to me, they wouldn't say, oh, that's Emilio, the husband of hope. They would say, this is Emilio, the son of Maurice, the son of Charles, the son of John. They would go list this name, the genealogy. But this servant knows his king and, and his king's weakness. And he's trying to help his master out, he goes, oh, this is the, the daughter of Elion, but this is, this is also the wife of Uriah. But he doesn't care. He says, bring her. He sleeps with her. He finds out that she's pregnant. David, 
The man who was after God's heart was no longer chasing what was glorifying God, but chasing an object. Here's my first point. Because of sin, we see people as objects. Last week, I I told you guys uh, about my relationship with my best friend, my forever friend, Brad. Sophomore year of college, my forever friend, Brad, uh, was roommates with three other guys that had the nicest house off of campus. It was like this three-story, like, it didn't make sense. I was the fifth roommate, uh, which was great because I didn't pay rent. Um, so they, he lived with three other guys. One of these guys was Billy. Now, last week I told you that me and Brad were, were not on the same Young Life team. Well, me and Billy were. And on top of being Young Life leaders at the same school, Billy was one of my best friends. And we did everything together. We'd go to South Carolina football games together and then cry afterwards together because we're no good. We would, <laughs> we would uh, play intramural football together and then cry because we were still no good. We played guitar together. I knew, uh, we, we led Bible studies together. We did life together. And when you do life together with somebody, as so many of you who are in D groups know this, as you're doing life with the people around you, you get to know the person. For example, I knew for Billy that his birthday is on Valentine's Day and he hates it. He wears black. He's been married for eight years. He still wears black. Uh, and I still text him. I say, happy birthday, happy Valentine's. And then he, he writes words that aren't good. Um, I, I knew that his favorite band to this day is Dave Matthews Band. He loves Dave. He could play Satellite, Crash. He could play it all. Every, every song that girls love, he knew them. I knew that Billy had a huge crush on Ashley. He talked about her all the time. It was annoying. Well, one night, Ashley was on the same Young Life team as my roommate, DJ, and they were uh, having a meeting after, after a Young Life club at, uh, at our house. And after their meeting was done, a lot of them stayed after and hung out, including Ashley. And as it got later and later, people left one by one by one until it was me and my roommate and Ashley. And then my roommate went to bed. I knew my friend had a crush on Ashley. I knew how much he liked her. But Ashley and I had flirted all night. And when my roommate went to bed, I didn't see her in front of me. I saw an object that I wanted to kiss. So I did. In a moment of extreme weakness, I fell. See, because of my brokenness, because of my sin, I did not, nor could I see her for anything other than an object. David, in his sin and his weakness, saw Bathsheba not as, not as someone's daughter, not as someone's wife, but as an object that he wanted. He didn't think about what was right. I didn't think about what was right. We just thought that she should be ours. But it doesn't have to be uh, regarding someone of the opposite sex. Uh, when you go to your favorite coffee shop and the barista gets your order wrong, are you seeing that person as, as who they are, as an image bearer of God, or are you seeing them as an object who got your drink wrong? When, when you're driving here to Watershed and you get cut off, do you see the person who cut you off as an image bearer of God? Or do you see them as the person who caused you to be 30 seconds late to Watershed or 20 minutes? I'm not judging for those of you that come at 445. We see people as objects because of our sin. 
And here's what happens after. So David has just found out that Bathsheba is pregnant. So in a moment of panic, David goes, uh, go get Uriah and tell him to come to the house. So, he, so Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, comes to the house of King David, which you, know, you first read, you're thinking, oh, is he going to confess? Is he going to do the right thing? The answer is no, not at all. He goes, hey, why don't you come home? Have dinner with me. He gets Uriah drunk. He says, why don't you go back home and, and go be with your wife? Because what he's wanting to happen is for Uriah to go home to be with his wife and then her to be like, oh, hey, I'm pregnant. This is your kid. But Uriah is loyal to David, to Israel. And so when he, he leaves the house, he never goes back to his own home. In fact, he sleeps at the front door of the king's house with the servants. And when David finds out, he's mad. He goes, what are you doing? Why didn't you go to your home like I asked you to? And Uriah says, it's, it's not right for me to be here and to eat and to drink and to be with my wife while, while my, my brothers are out fighting this war. And then he pleads with King David, would you send me back to battle? So David, in another panicking moment, goes, okay, I will. And then he hands Uriah a note. He goes, give this to, to Joab. Joab, who's the, who's the general, he's the leader of the army. He says, give this note to Joab. Here's what the note says. The note essentially says, make sure that Uriah goes to the toughest part of the battle. And when he goes, pull the rest of the troops away so that he will be killed. So Uriah takes a note with his death sentence on it, hands it to Joab. Joab obliges. And he sends Uriah to the toughest part of the battlefield. The troops pull back and Uriah is indeed killed in battle. He's killed in battle. David is panicking. David now sees Uriah as this, as an obstacle in the way of what he wanted. Second point, because of sin, we see people as obstacles. Going back to my story, after Ashley left, I, I quickly realized I messed up. But in, in, in my guilty, in, in my guilt, in my conviction, I never once thought I need to confess to Billy. I thought I need to hide this. And so what I did, my first reaction was, well, I'm going to date Ashley. I mean, I'm, surely if, if I did this, it's because I have a crush on her. So Ashley and I dated for two weeks. Here's the thing. We didn't tell anybody. We didn't tell anybody that we were going on dates. And surprise, surprise, it didn't work out between us. But we swore to each other. We told each other, it was like, well, I'm not going to tell anybody. She's like, well, I'm not going to tell anybody. And I thought that was it. It was done. We were good. This is like right before spring break. And that spring break, uh, I was going to go to Cincinnati, Ohio to hang out with Billy and meet his mom and his dad and his brother and all of his friends. And, and as we're in the car driving up to Cincinnati, I get a text message from Ashley who feels convicted by the Holy Spirit and tells her best friend. And her best friend is really close to Billy. So I, I'm, I'm sweating this whole trip and nothing happens. Things go off normally. I'm like, well, maybe. I was like, maybe it's cool. We're good. Things are good. I'm good. Billy's good. He's not going to kill me. So we get back home. 
I'm, I'm at his house and I get a text message from Ashley that says, hey, my friend just got off the phone with Billy. I run upstairs to apologize, to fall on my knees, and I see Billy devastated, in tears. Not because Ashley had, had kissed another guy, but she had kissed me. I had wronged my brother. And I had wronged him by lying. I had wronged him by deceiving, doing all these things because it was an obstacle. Ashley had become an obstacle between me and one of my best friends. My sin had caused me to see Ashley as an object, and then it caused me to see her as an obstacle. And here's the thing about sin. The thing about sin is that God hates sin. 2 Samuel eleven twenty six through 27. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David's adultery, his deception, his sin displeased the Lord. His murder displeased the Lord. Yes, David was, was the king God chose to lead Israel. Yes, David is the man after God's own heart. David is the man whose great, 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 great grandson is Jesus Christ. But his sin displeased the Lord. What I did to Billy, to Ashley, my sin, my deception, my lies displeased the Lord. And your sin displeases the Lord. We, we often have this idea that because we're Christians, because we know that God knows everything that we have done, that we're doing, that we're going to do, we somehow decide, oh, well, it makes my sin okay. We justify our sin. We say, well, well God is all sovereign, so he knew I was going to hook up with that guy last night, so it's cool. Well, well God knows everything, so he's, he knew I was going to get drunk on Friday night. He knew that I was going to cheat on my, on my test. He knew that I was going to lie to my parents. He knew that I was going to sneak out. He knows these things, so it was cool. Your sin, my sin, David and Bathsheba's sin displeases the Lord. And Romans 6.23 is clear about this regarding sin. The wages of sin is death. It doesn't say that the wages of sin is, is God saying, you shouldn't have done that. It's not him having a conversation that says, I wish you had made better choices. The wages of sin is death, a death that we deserve, a death that is ours. But because God loves us so much, the rest of that verse says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Here's my last point. Our sin displeases the Lord, but we are redeemed in Jesus. For those who put their faith in Jesus, who believe in him, who walk with him, for them they are justified. And, and for those who are justified, God looks at us just as if we have never sinned. He looks at us wrapped in the righteousness that his perfect son wraps around us. He adopts us as his own children. We become heirs to the throne. 
And because, because of, of the work that the Spirit does in us, we're able to sin less and less. But it doesn't mean that God is okay with it. He is not okay with it. But if you are his, it means that Jesus died for it. And on top of that, when, when we believe, when our faith is in Jesus, when we have been redeemed, we begin to see people in front of us as image bearers of God, as his children. We no longer see them as obstacles in the way of something that we want. We don't see them as objects, as something that we're just trying to get. We see them the way that God does, the way that Jesus does. And 1 John 4.11 says, Beloved, therefore if God loves us, we also ought to love one another. When Christ is in us, we see people the way that he sees people. We are redeemed and we see people as such. In Jesus, we can love because we know that we are loved. As we leave and we go to our groups tonight, I would challenge you, I would ask you, if there is somebody that you have wronged, if there is somebody that you need to confess to, to repent to, do so. If you want to know what redemption truly is like, if you've walked in this room and you've you've not begun a relationship with Jesus, if you've not been redeemed and you want to know what that's like, would you go to your group tonight, talk to your leader and say, I I want to be adopted by the king. I want God to see me as his perfect son. Then we can go from here and love people the way we're called to. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you that despite our sin, you see us, those who are yours, as perfect children. Father, we thank you that despite our sin and our desire to see people as obstacles, as objects, you do a work in our heart that allows us to see people as image bearers of God. Father, would you be with us? Would you be with Watershed as we go forward and love people and love people to the cross? Jesus, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.